this is what we do. Uh, so today, I actually want to talk to you about the blessings of generosity. So I hope that you're fired up. I hope you're feeling the energy because I pray that God uses this series over the next three weeks to help us use what we have, what we've been blessed with, to make a difference. And in fact, I'm curious, how many of you would say that you're generally a pretty generous person? All right. And I'll be honest, when I look around, I see crazy, passionate, generous people. Not crazy people, like crazy passionate, crazy generous. Because like I always say, we're here because of your faithfulness. Like we survived the pandemic where we met online for 553 days, not that I was counting, and we're still being able to minister in the community of Binbrook. People have come to Christ. We had seven kids this summer choose to follow Jesus. People have taken their next steps toward Christ and are continuing to do so because if we're not dead, God's not done. And as a church here in Binbrook, my heart is for us to lead the way with radical generosity. And I truly believe, and I hope that we truly believe, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So let's lead the way. Let's do everything we can to make a difference with what God has blessed us with. And the generosity of so many of you, it's amazing. It's God-inspiring, and it's making a big difference in this world. I was talking to someone just this week as we had our district retreat, and it's a few days away up at Horseshoe Valley. And I was just saying how incredible it is that as a small church here in Binbrook, we're connected to a denomination and a larger church family, and we're actually connected to all the churches as the bride of Christ to make this impact in the world, to see Jesus' love and hope and grace extended to the far ends of earth. But let me also take a moment to just name something, to call it out and to rip the Band-Aid off. Unfortunately, a lot of people, we get uncomfortable when we talk about generosity, when we talk about money, because it's something as Canadians we don't talk about. It's like, let's just leave that alone. And the truth is, tragically, in our culture, society, what have you, many people are not that generous. And if you ask them if they're generous, many people are going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty generous. And the reason for that is because they give something. But we need to understand that giving and being generous are two different things. Giving and being generous are two different things. To be generous is to orient your life around the thrill of being used by God to make a difference. So I want to show you a couple of thoughts that are true of most Canadians. Most Canadians don't feel rich, and we are. And most Canadians think we're generous, and we aren't. So I want to repeat both of those. Most Canadians don't feel rich, and we are, and most Canadians think we're generous, and we aren't. So let's unpack this for a minute. Most of us don't feel rich, and the reason why is because there's somebody that's a lot richer. Like, we compare ourselves with others all the time, whether it be our neighbors or social media or coworkers. And when we compare ourselves with someone else who has a lot more, we don't feel like we're wealthy. It's like, ah, oh, but I don't have the boats and the jet skis and the, the three-car garage. But we can, when we compare ourselves with people around the world, we have to acknowledge that we are extraordinarily blessed. 
Like we, we just are. In fact, if you drive a car or if you own a vehicle, depending on what study you read, it puts you somewhere between the top six to 9% of the wealthiest people in the world. Like that's crazy. Like we are in the top 10% of the world. So when I say we're blessed, we are incredibly blessed and we don't even know it. Let's just think about what we take for granted. For example, chances are most of you had a similar experience like this this week. You got in your car and you drove by six or seven restaurants to get to your favorite restaurant. Then you get to your favorite restaurant and maybe you're put off because you had to wait five minutes and you don't usually have to wait for a table, but you finally get seated and someone takes your order, then they bring you food, then they clear it away. Then you leave, you get back in your car and you drive home. And if your car, if your garage is cleaner than mine or a bit larger, then maybe you even pushed a button and got to drive into your garage. Like how ridiculously wealthy is that? We have homes that have homes for our cars. Like that just blows my mind when you think about it. And some of you might have a two or three car garage, but we also have so much stuff in our homes that we tend to, at least Amanda and I tend to, put everything in our garage. That's how much stuff we have, so then our cars can't go in. And then you walk into your house, climate controlled. If you want it 21, it is 21 degrees. And no matter what the weather is outside, and it's incredible. And then at some point you have to go to the bathroom. And I'm just saying that because we all have to go to the bathroom. And I don't know if it's just because I'm from a plumbing family or not, but it's amazing that you get to push a button and it just goes away. And if you don't take a moment every now and then to thank God for that, you're missing out on some blessings there. Like, it's like, whoa, it's gone. Because in some places of the world, it doesn't go anywhere. It sits there. It stays in a hole. But we get to push a button and it's gone. That is how rich you are. That doesn't happen all over the world. And then we get to go to sleep in a comfortable bed. We wake up the next day and maybe we're getting ready for church and we walk into our closet and it's surrounded with clothes and we feel them all and then we say, I've got nothing to wear. That is how rich we are. Most of us, we're really blessed and we don't even know it. Because the problem is if you ask the average Canadian, are you generous? They're gonna say, yeah, I'm pretty generous but we're not. So here's a couple of numbers. The average Canadian gives about $446 per year. The average salary in Canada is $65,000, $66,000 a year. So if you do the math, that works out if you round up to 0.007%. So on average, as a whole, collectively, we're not even giving away 1% of what we're earning. And over the last decade, charitable giving has continued to decline. And based on what the studies are saying, if you make over $100,000, six figures, the percentage of what you give goes down. And I point this out because this isn't generous. Like on average, as a whole, this is not God honoring. And that's not what we do. As Jesus followers, we do something different. We lead the way with radical generosity because we truly believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And I believe we can do so much better than that. And the challenge is the reason most of us don't give more is because we don't feel like we can. Like, I don't know anybody who 
wouldn't want to give more. Like if I were to be like, who, who here wants to give more? Like most people would say, yeah, I'd love to if I could, but most of us feel like we can't. I don't know anybody who would say, nah, not me. I don't want to give anything. I don't want to help anyone else. But the reason we don't is because we feel like we can't. We're tight. We're hurting. We're afraid. Like the economy is going crazy and we're watching the Bank of Canada to see if they're going to raise the rates or drop the rates or maintain them. And I got to admit though, I loved how I was raised. My dad is a generous person. I've talked about this before. They usually come on the last Sunday of the month. So if you're needing some generosity, hit him up when he comes next. <laughs> but he is ridiculously generous. Like he just always had this posture about him that God's going to provide. My mom would be freaking out. Now, bless my mom. I love her. I'm not meaning to throw her under the bus. She has a good heart, but she'd be freaking out. My dad's like, Judy, it's just money. It's just like God's going to provide. Look at all that we have already. And if someone needed help, some of his coworkers needed help and his managers, and he'd be the first person to give them time, to give them money, to, to help them get the help that they need. So of course, when I crashed my parents' car one winter, I called my dad before my mom found out. They were getting ready for bed. It was after youth group on a Wednesday night. We were doing donuts in a snow-covered parking lot. Long story short, car got crunched. I couldn't get in the driver's side door, but I could kind of drive it with the bend around. So I called my dad, and the first thing he said, was, is everyone okay? I said, yep. He's like, well, I'm going to bed. It's just a car. We'll deal with it in the morning. Like, that was his natural response. Like, my mom, on the other hand, whew, that's a different story. But again, sorry, mom, I love you. But most people have a scarcity mindset. Like, oh, man, how am I going to afford this? What's our deductible? How, how are we going to replace this? How are we going to fix this? I'm never going to let my kid drive again. But when I started having to support myself, I naturally developed this scarcity mindset as well. And you can hear it in the language that we use. There's, oh, like, there's just not enough. I wish I could give more, but I can't afford to. I can never get ahead. We're always behind. There's always more month left than there is money. And that's a scarcity mindset. And in fact, the challenge is scarcity is actually a cycle. So I want to show you the cycle. This is what the scarcity uh, cycle looks like. So we have God supplies because the foundational truth to it all is that everything comes from God. So the first thing we end up doing is we consume. So God supplies, we have it. It's like, all right, now we can spend it. It's ours. Whatever comes in, we consume. And then we consume usually too much. So then we start lacking. And then it's like, oh, we don't have enough. And then whenever you get to that point, like we don't have enough, well, then we start to fear and then as we're battling with these feelings and this emotion of fear, well then, what makes us feel better? Let's consume a bit more. And it's this cycle that goes around and round. We consume, we lack, we fear. We consume, we lack, we fear. And in fact, this is called the paycheck to paycheck cycle. This is tragically how the majority of people in our country live. As of February, StatsCan said one in four Canadians are unable to cover an unexpected expense of $500. That's 25% of Canadians are $500 away from poverty, like from not being able to afford an unexpected expense. 
So God gives to us. We spend what we have. Oftentimes, we spend more than we have. How do we do that? Well, I don't really know other than credit cards and all the other different floats, but we're able to. We lack, we fear, we consume. We lack, we fear, we consume. And again, you can hear it in the language. I wish we could give more, but we can't. I can never seem to get ahead. No matter what I do, there's just never enough. It's a cycle of scarcity. And in fact, if you found yourself tensing up when I even said, we're going to talk about generosity and your butt cheeks got tight, that might be showing you that you're in a cycle of scarcity. If you thought to yourself, oh, great, I do not want to do this. The church just wants my money or I can't afford to do that. That's a scarcity mindset. So I want to show you as, as Jesus followers that we are to have a totally different mindset. Because of what God does, this is what we do. Because of what God did for us through Jesus, we do something different first. And when we do something, God does something. And it creates a whole different cycle. And it's not a cycle of scarcity, but it's a cycle of supply. So let me show you what we do. This is what we do. We give generously. That's what Jesus' followers do. Because of what God did for us, we love to give generously. And in fact, Paul talks a lot about giving in, to the Corinthian church and in other places. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. So we're going to read a portion, then we're going to see what God does. Paul says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. So that's what we do. We give generously, and then we love it. I love his instructions. He says, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. In other words, if you feel manipulated, if you feel pressured, don't give. And that's not me saying it. That's God's word. So don't do it. If that's how you feel today, don't give. And why? For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. It's the posture of our heart. That's what we do. We give cheerfully, joyfully, hilariously. Like we just, we go over the top. Because we really believe that it's a massive blessing to be generous to others. And then what happens? Well, God will generously provide all you need. Notice, this isn't lack. This isn't scarcity. This is God providing. Paul goes on to say, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. That's what we do. This is what we do. When God blesses us, we give, and then God gives generously to us, and we have everything we need. People end up thanking God for the generosity. They remember your generosity and the God who supplied it. God loves it when we're generous. People love it when we're generous, and it's a tremendous joy to be generous. I don't know anyone who, who's been able to be generous and been like, man, I really wish I didn't help those kids. I really wish I wasn't that generous. No, it brings joy. This is what we do. As Jesus followers, this is what we do. And what does God do? Well, God multiplies abundantly. We give generously and God, God multiplies abundantly. Verse 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. God gives us the seed to sow. God gives us something to plant. He gives us the resources and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources. 
Again, this isn't lack. It's not scarcity. It's abundance. It's a blessing. He multiplies, increases your resources. And then what happens? This produces a harvest of generosity in you. So the seeds that you then get to plant are also planted in you, and it starts producing a harvest of generosity. God is blessing and multiplying, and you become even more generous. And then the scripture says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. Is it saying so that you will always be afraid, so that you'll always be wondering where the next check's coming from? No, it's so that you will always be generous. When we take those gifts to those who need them, what are they going to do? They're going to thank God. They're going to praise God. This is diametrically opposed to the common mindset, which is the mindset of scarcity. So instead, when we sow, God supplies. In fact, let me show you a different way of looking at things. The first one is scarcity. Consume, lack, fear. And I wish we could do more. It's that, that phrase. I wish we could do more, but we can't. But instead, when, whenever God supplies, what's the first thing we do? If we move to this, this cycle of supply, what well, we give. The first thing we do is we give back. As Jesus' followers, when God blesses us, we return 10%, a tithe, back to him as an act of worship. And we give to God first because God gave to us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And when we give, what does God do? Well, then God multiplies it. We give, he multiplies it. And as we see these resources being multiplied, well, then what happens is our faith grows. And it's like, oh, wow, God showed up in some pretty cool ways. So then we're able to give more. Suddenly, what do we do? We start thinking, man, God's just continued to bless us and we give more. God multiplies, our faith continues to grow, and we have this harvest of generosity, and we've suddenly shifted from this cycle of scarcity to now this cycle of abundance, this cycle of supply. Instead of living in fear of lack, we take this crazy, radical faith that makes no sense intellectually. Only in God's economy does it make sense, and we worship God with the tithe. So what does the tithe do? Tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and creates a new cycle of supply. I think this is a great purpose of the tithe because it, it puts things in perspective. How does it work? Well, the tithe comes from the Hebrew word ma'aser, which means one-tenth. One-tenth of everything that comes to us, we give back to God as an act of worship. And you might be asking, does this matter now in, in New Testament times? Well, if you go all the way back to even before the law was written, you have Abraham who's giving back and he's returning his first increase of crop and harvest back to God. And then you go to the New Testament and two different times in the Gospels, Jesus says you should tithe. And he says, do not forget the more important matters of the law. In other words, he's saying, yeah, you should tithe. Like that's just a given. And then he says, but also love, mercy, sacrifice, but of course we tithe. That was just an assumption. This is just what we do. When God blesses us, we worship him as an act of honor. And we say, God, I'm returning back to you 10% of what you've given to me. And then he multiplies it. He builds, builds our faith and we give some more. And suddenly, instead of this cycle of scarcity, we're in this new cycle of supply. So let's unpack this a little bit more. Three thoughts about the power of the tithe. 
What does the tithe do? Well, first, the tithe teaches us to put God first. It teaches us to put him first. And I love the way it's recorded in today's Living Bible, Deuteronomy 14, 23. The purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. So let me slow down for a moment and see if I can get into your mind. Because I know some of you might be thinking, I should have slept in today. <laughs> this is the one I should have skipped, not this week. Like, this is scary, Kev. Come on. Like, for me to do this, for me to tithe, it would take rearranging my whole life around God. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. If you're feeling the squirm, you're starting to get it. In fact, there's a C.S. Lewis quote that just came to me. I wish I had it. But he talks about if we're not feeling the pinch and living the same level and standard as our neighbors, we're not giving enough. And I think there's something in that, if we're not feeling that squirm. And you might be thinking, well, I mean, you don't understand. Like, I'd have to make massive changes. Yeah, that's right. And to do that, it would take crazy faith. Absolutely, it does take crazy faith. Well, why? Because it takes faith to give first. It doesn't take faith to give last. <laughs> now I know why we usually send the kids down here. <laughs> But tithing, every time I receive an increase from God, it reminds me in a very tangible way, God, because of what you did for me, it's my honor to give back to you. I've rearranged, I've prioritized my life around you as Lord of all, and I'm putting you first. Tithing teaches us to book God's, God first. The second thing is the tithe builds our faith. We see the faithfulness of God, and this is what Malachi 3, 10, and 11 teach us. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And what's about to get real crazy is this is the only place in Scripture where God says you're allowed to test him. There's a verse that says not to test him, but in this, when he's talking about bringing in the tithe, he says, test me, try me. In other words, God is saying, give me your first and your best and let me bless the rest. Because I skipped a part that says, test me and, if, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Give me your first and your best. Let me bless the rest. In other words, see if 90% with God's blessing doesn't go further than 100% without it. So you start with the tithe, you see the blessings of God, and suddenly you get crazy passionate about doing even more. So think about it this way. Sorry. <laughs> with all the thumping, it's bouncing around. I'm going to skip a section and just jump down to telling you a bit of my story. And if you've heard it before, well, it's because I've only got one story. But when I was 18 years old, I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning, much like you are now, although that church had a balcony, so I was able to kind of sneak in my coffee because we weren't supposed to at the time. But the pastor was speaking on giving. And I was thinking, nice message, but I don't have anything to give. Like, seriously, I had $5 in my wallet to get me through payday. It did to get me through to payday the following Thursday. And I don't know how I thought $5 was going to get me there, but that was my security. That's what I was holding on to. 
So when the offering plate passed by later in the service, I had this sense of fear rising up within me. Like, oh man, like hopefully they just skip our row and they, they pass it down the wrong one. But I saw the plate coming and I had this knot in the pit of my stomach. And I, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, just, just give up the $5, put it in the plate. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. But when the plate passed by, I was overcome with the message of Jesus and compelled to put my last $5 in the plate. And I'm like, okay, God, like you're asking for five bucks. I don't know what this is going to do. But I put it in that morning. And I didn't feel great. It's not like I'm like, oh, wow, that was the right decision. No, I, I was actually still fearful. I was living in that cycle of scarcity. I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. But guess what happened? I gave and God multiplied. Right after the service, someone came up to me and said, hey, can I take you out for lunch? The next day, the youth pastor called me up and said, hey, we're going to a third day concert in Toronto. We have an extra ticket. No charge. Want to come? Absolutely. If you don't know who third day is, great 90s Christian band. Google it later. <laughs> but you see, I gave and God multiplied. And he used that small moment to build my faith. And he provided more than I had before. All these things that happened throughout that week, I wouldn't have been able to do with $5. So you know what I did that following Sunday? Well, I'd just been paid on Thursday. I'm like, if God can do that much with five bucks, I'm going to give the 10%. And I started giving, giving the 10. And at a time when it made no sense, I gave. And God multiplied. And it built my faith. And slowly, this cycle of generosity began erasing the cycle of scarcity. And I tell you this because as a church, I want us to lead the way with radical generosity because we believe it. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. The tithe teaches us to put, God's first, to put God first. It builds our faith. And without apology, I'm going to tell you right now, number three, it provides for the work of God's church. That's what it does. When you return the 10% to God's church, a lot gets done in the world. Like I said, we might be a small community church, but we are part of a much larger family that's seeing the good news of Jesus spread around the world. Malachi 3.10 again says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. I just want to ask for a quick show of hands. How many of you would say that your life is different spiritually because of the work of the church? That there shows you the blessing of the church. When we first planted here in Binbrook, I, I wrestled with what are we doing for the community? And I tried to get involved in all these different community events and programs, and I was on the, the board of several of them. But it was after COVID that God had really done a work in my heart, and he said, you are a blessing in the community by being my church by bringing hope to the hopeless, by bringing light to the darkness. He's, this is what we do. This is our ministry. So ever since I was 18, I've returned the tithe. Because of what Jesus did in me, I'm honored to worship and put him first. I'm trying to skip ahead because <laughs> it's getting rowdy up there. So I just want to say, because of what God did, this is what we do. Your giving has already accomplished so much through this church. Like I said earlier, seven kids chose to follow Jesus. We've had baptisms. We're having a baptism today. Ben and Laura got connected to our church 
through the Picnic in the Park program, which we put on at no charge to the community, to just build relationships and spread the love of Jesus. And I absolutely love that we are seeing people take their next steps toward Jesus. Life transformation is happening. The community is being transformed. People are starting to reach out to me, like I shared last week, that we're starting to have an awareness in the community and they're hurting, they're broken, and they need hope. So let's lead the way with radical generosity. But I have one last question that I wanna end with. If this is what we do, are you part of the we? If this is what we do, are you part of it? Or are you still living in the cycle of scarcity? Friends, it makes no sense on paper. I've had bookkeepers ask why I give so much. They're like, what? it doesn't add up. And I say, this is what we do. And when we give, God creates in us a harvest of generosity. And when we give, people thank God. And this isn't just what we do, it's who we are. We're generous. Why? Because God gave first. As we give, it allows us to open our hands to then receive God's blessings. So I want to invite you, if you're not part of it already, to be part of the we, because this is what we do. So let's just pray. And then uh, the worship team will come back and we'll get ready for Ben's baptism. And the kids are coming down here for it. So <laughs> Heavenly Father, empower us, your church, to be a part of a revolution of generosity using what you've given us, recognizing that we're blessed beyond measure to be a massive blessing in this world. God, I pray for faith to increase, that as we put you first, you would honor your word. And when we put you to the test, God, I pray that you would open up the floodgates of heaven, provide even more that would help build our faith. Blow us away. Do what only you can do. Not so we can enjoy it all for ourselves, but so that we can be a bigger blessing to others. God, make us your church so radically generous that even non-believers, doubters, skeptics look on and say, well, I may not believe what they believe, but man, they sure practice it. Oh my gosh, are they generous. May the world see your love through the generosity of your church. Jesus, build our faith. It's in your name we pray. Amen.